1: Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Marsha Van Weinsberg. She's a storytelling NLP trainer, speaker, publisher, author, and podcaster. Thank you for joining me today.
0: Well, Thank you so much for having me, Roman.
1: My pleasure. So tell me a little bit about your journey. How did you get to where you are today?
0: Hmm, it's just probably just like everyone else. It's been a roller coaster journey and with a lot of pivots and turns. I spent 28 years in a as a registered kinesiologist working with physical rehab and which was essentially coaching because I was mentoring and helping people learn how to walk again. And then the pandemic hit and I pivoted completely into what I'm doing now full time. But really the pivot came um, over the last 10 years. We were parents that were dealing with teen substance abuse that literally came out of left field, not something that was in the plan. Nobody plans on that. And I found myself getting into a space of really hiding and shame and trying to fix and manage and control things. You know, as a mom, unfortunately, sometimes you think you sign this contract that you, it's your job to fix, manage and control all things. And no matter how hard I tried, it didn't work. And so eventually through a lot of work and counseling and support and really just diving into that, my way of hiding and not, not working on myself in order to create change and not owning my own choices wasn't solving anything. And it was actually just suffocating me. And so I decided to start to speak in small groups in small stages and share that journey. And what happened was not what I ever expected is that it helped me to heal. And it helped me to connect with people to see how many people were holding on to incredible shame stories and not, you know, feeling so stuck in their life or people saying, Yes, I, that's my story, and I've never told a soul for 40 years. And it was actually really sad. And it helped me to see how many people were holding on to these difficult stories. And so it became reciprocal. It helped me to heal and it helped, it gave me fuel that I think we actually have to start talking about more and more of these stories because we're so much more alike than different. And that slowly started to spread into a couple of collaborative books then my own solo book and a few other books after that and two podcasts and more stages. And it's really just been a space of encouraging, showing, helping people to see how you can change your story and how your story doesn't have to define you. And learning how to share it can be one of the most freeing things that you can ever do.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, you know, that's why. The, uh, the audio median is so therapeutic. I mean, I switched over from um, a solo format to my show and into an interview-based uh, format. And then I started you know, talking about kind of deeper issues, things that uh, you know, people overcome over their lifespan, things that related to me, potentially things that I was dealing with at the time or the, the, the span of the show. And, and like you said, I, you know, experienced things in my life. My wife and I experienced six miscarriages in four years. Um, and there was a lot of resources for women out there, you know, about their experience. And, uh, you know, that's <clears throat> important. But when I was looking for, you know, uh, male voices, uh, you know, spouses, stuff like that, there wasn't anything around. So I often encourage people, you know, whether it be kind of like small groups in person, or even, you know, virtual kind of summits or events, or even getting on the podcast and talking to somebody. in more of a, you know, intimate kind of low key format that if you don't see someone providing the, you know, the help or the support that you need for a specific thing that you're going through, then be that kind of voice, because it's going to, help a lot of people out there and, you know, initially you may not be comfortable uh, with it because there's a lot of trauma and you have to kind of get to a comfortable place. So, you know, dealing with death, uh, you know, going through miscarriages, potentially different, all different kinds of abuse, rape, sexual assault, um, you know, murder, drugs, anything traumatic in life. You have to at least get to a point where you feel safe talking about it, especially talking about it in front of people and then not talking. I mean, it's basically kind of therapy. You're sharing it with someone. You know, you're both kind of talking about it or your experiences on that specific thing. And it's, you know, each conversation is, is a healing kind of mechanism and therapeutic in, it, in its own way. And when I started doing it, it became a lot more like that. It freed me that all that weight on my shoulders. I was kind of carrying in it, you know. Started out helping a lot of people and kind of educating a lot of people as well. Because um, up until then, like I said, there was nothing really out there. When I started doing it and being comfortable with it, uh, you know, I had people reach out that they, it helped them, and you know, it was powerful. And also, the story you may have, you may think, you know, everybody's experienced something worse than me, or kind of like dilute your own pain or your trauma or experience. But I think it's important to kind of own it and put it out there because it's unique to you and you don't know who else is going through it as well.
0: Oh, everything you just said. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And I mean, I agree. I actually, I've seen a shift more in the last year or two, but there hasn't been as much open spaces for men to share different stories. And this is something that I'm seeing more and more of. And we went through multiple miscarriages too. And I remember my husband saying, there's like, yes, of course, support for you, but like nobody even, it's like a blip. It's like, it doesn't even happen or affect um, the male. And I think it's, again, we just have to start talking about these things. You're exactly right. i The level of freedom was not something I was expecting. And the more I started to, and people say, well, how do you get, through like the judgment, the opinions, the criticisms of others. And I'm like, the more you start to put a voice to it, it starts to fall away. It actually does start to fall away because you also find the people who can connect to you and who can relate to you. And that you start to realize that there's, I always say judgment is a funny funny thing because when I had the moment of recognizing that no one was judging me more than what I judged myself, then I all of a sudden just was like, I don't care what anyone else is saying because I've already said all of those words to myself and it just really flipped it. And it's a great way to start to take your own personal power back, but also to connect and engage with people who are walking through very similar challenges.
1: Yeah. And uh, it's kind of your own thing. And also when you find someone that dealt with the exact same thing, it's like you're in a whole different level of connection and understanding because, you know somebody may say i'm sorry for your loss or i'm sorry for this that and it's more of that like like yes they're probably genuine about their um you know feeling bad for you and saying sorry but it's more of like a like a societal thing if somebody has something going on you know i'm sorry i'll i'll be there but they may not know the best way to be there for you but where, if you find someone where they hear your story and they've been through something similar Potentially, maybe further down the line, and how they helped and and how they coped and got to a point where they they actually can live productively with something, then uh, that's huge. I mean-
0: no, and I and you, you, that's everything you just said is so true. When we went to our very first parent meeting, I remember my husband was like, "I don't know if I want to go in. Like, I don't like, I don't know what that's going to feel like." And When we walked into one chapter in one small spot in our big city and the room was full, we both went, holy crap. Like this is actually, these are the people who actually came into a room to physically talk to people. So there's a lot of people who aren't coming into the room. And it started to just be an eye-opener that there's a lot of us who are struggling. And I had a counselor say that to me and I, this, this piece on, you know, six, seven years ago, the world was very curated. Like social media was incredibly curated. And I said, no matter where I look, everybody's talking about, you know, how rosy and how perfect everything is. And I just don't know where I fit in. And no one's talking about these difficult things. And she said, maybe that's because you're supposed to. And I was like, what? That's crazy. And then I started to really think like, what if I could do something good with this? And And it did. It allowed me to do something good with it. And it allowed me to heal and continue to heal and put more good out there and help other parents feel that they weren't alone and connect with incredible people from all over the world. Like it's, you have to be that change that you want to see. It gets really, and that's such a cliche, but it's one of my favorite quotes is, you know, we get to choose to be the change that we wish to see out in there in the world.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, You know, the show. (laughs) <laughs> and talking on other avenues and and sharing has helped me that's kind of opened up like what I want to do like from the uh, philanthropic side uh so um you know pursuing uh, foster care reform and foster care advocacy and um and things of that nature and it's just you know talking with somebody i mean it's it's kind of a natural action for humans to communicate with each other to share to you know share and whatever's going on like you know back in the day even you would meet and like like if you go to europe there's a, a town square or a town hall and you know in every um every town city uh village where people met and conversed and kind of caught up and stuff like that so like the communication of human beings is is natural and we're kind of social creatures so you know discussing sharing and you know, hopefully understanding or just being open-minded to what's being said. I think it's important and huge for both kind of the listener and the person sharing. And I think it's it's even bigger, well, for me at least, as a host and, and in general, uh, to become a better listener. Because, I mean, it, I think it's even more thoughtful to, to listen and, and comprehend where you may not even like be able to relate to what's being talked about. But like the attentively listening and being respectful, I think goes a long way as well.
0: Oh, it really does. And I think that it's allowed, like when we can start to do that, again, we give others permission to do the same. But I also think then we start to connect with the people that we're meant to connect with. Like so many times people are afraid to speak or share because of who is in their life right now. And they look around and think, well, I don't have the support." It's because the support is like literally like two steps past that when you start to step outside of that. And even now, like I, I embrace and I talk about vulnerability and how important it is to connect. And every time I have that fear moment of like, can I do this? It's, I stop and literally take inventory and think who's in my life now because of vulnerability. And I, my circle has pretty much completely reinvented itself over the last six, seven years. And all the people that are in my life now weren't even here before. So incredible things can happen when we allow ourselves to be seen, right? Be heard, to ask for help, and to also just be a source of support for others. So I know the road can be really scary, but somebody asked me this the other day. They're like, but isn't it scary to do that? And I'm like, it is, but you have to get to a point where it's actually scarier to sit in your circle and do nothing and live in that way. because." Yes, this is scary, but I have no desire to go back to what it felt like before. That was isolating and alone.
1: I I say it's kind of related to this complacency is the death of innovation. So if you're not improving, advancing, leveling up, I don't even know if like leveling up so like jargon focused or didn't even use that word, but pursuing a better you day in and day out and kind of looking to improve yourself and that obviously improvement could be you know, you're at a certain point of, you know, a grieving process for something, then if you're moving kind of forward, or at least move, moving, then that becomes think, a positive action. Because if you kind of stall uh, and, and stop and become comfortable, uh, you oftentimes it's harder to get out of that rut. Because that's where like, doing something out of fear or something new in your personal life and business, or like you said, be, be vulnerable to talk about something Uh, that you haven't necessarily discussed or has been traumatic for you takes you out of that that comfort zone and in your mind like you know survival mechanism wise like humans you know the psyche doesn't want to rock the boat it doesn't want to expose you to more trauma and more kind of hurt so like why are you why are you doing this when you're already comfortable like you know nothing's bad is happening currently like don't put yourself out there but like you said at the end of that uh usually, I found if it's something like you know sharing something traumatic uh that could be rewarding to help others or if it's a potential new business venture or something family friend related, whatever has been on the other side of that fear has always been uh you know helpful and positive.
0: Oh, that's so true that's so true. It's work it is definitely work to put yourself in that space and continue to grow, but when you can start to see. Like, it just becomes a win-win in my opinion. You start to heal. You start to share that message. You connect with people. Because I think the one thing I never saw in the beginning is is that we can relate to each other even if we've never walked the other's story, the other's journey. Like, we really can. We, We relate through emotions. That's what we do as humans. And so I thought I would be just working and helping parents who were dealing with this, and that's not the case. I've I've worked with, you know, very traumatic stories, and because people recognize and realize, wait, that's how I felt too. So allowing that allows us to connect with people on more of a similar level.
1: Yeah, and like you said, that similarity doesn't necessarily have to be one-to-one like you didn't necessarily have to experience that same event or the same thing but you've experienced the same emotion because you've been through something similar to that or something that brought about that kind of uh emotional reaction so so sharing in those emotions and not necessarily the identical things that created them still obviously creates a sense of you know somebody being there for you
0: Mm mm-hmm 100 percent
1: so in terms of some of the other stuff, like, you know, I mentioned your uh, author, podcaster, how did some of that kind of stuff, creative endeavors come about?
0: Well, and it's, it's funny. I think that we go first and then other doors start to open, right? I often, I, I joke cause I'm making fun of myself at the same time, but as humans, like we stand in this long hallway, kind of figuring out like, what door do I open? What do I do? What do I try? But a lot of people don't ever open any of them. We just stand and look at them. And I think that by starting, I started really small stages, small groups. And I started to just recognize again, people aren't talking about this stuff and there's feedback that's coming. So I shared a couple of collaborative chapters. And then around 2016, I had this feeling that I wanted to write my own solo book. And whenever anybody, okay, and I'm sure people can relate to this, but when you have that drop down for an idea, you know, one of the first things we do as humans is we start to tell other people because we're like, what, you know, what do you think? Do you think this is a good idea? And I was literally met with, that's a ridiculous idea. You should not put your story in a book. You should not do those things. And I sat there for a long time thinking, okay, now it's, everybody's made it this big, scary thing. And I really deep down believe that the ideas that drop down are for us. It's just for us to figure out how to bring it to life. Um, it's not a fluke or an accident. It's meant to be. And so I really got quiet and went, no, I actually think this is what I'm supposed to do. So I spent that year writing and editing and working with a um, self-publishing group. And it was a very isolating year, but it's exactly what I needed to do. And when that released, as it was getting close to being released, I had this feeling that, again, we're still not talking about difficult things. I thought, I think I'm supposed to start a podcast. And when I said that out loud, people were like, what like, what do you know about that? And I'm like, nothing. Like, actually, absolutely nothing. But what I did know, and what I can forever be grateful for, is in the beginning, the only tools that I really had to help me to create change were podcasts, YouTube, and books. And they were free resources that I used nonstop. And so in my gut, I was like, I want to create a podcast where we can normalize talking about difficult things. And it's funny because a lot of people have said, you know, how, I mean, how are you going to find that many people like to talk about difficult stories? Well, we're into episode, we're over episode 500. So it's, it hasn't, there's lots of people who have difficult stories that they're willing to share. And so it's just been that, it's been a very organic growth. And I'm glad that it's been because I think we have to continue to grow into that version who can manage that. I think if I would have had a glimpse you know, five years ago that this is what I would be doing, it would have been very scary. And to be honest, I think that I would have probably self-sabotaged it and not been ready for it. So it's been very organic, been very um, slow growing. And it's been a journey and a process, one that I'm seriously so grateful for. And it's just grown. It's just grown on its own.
1: Yeah. It's, um, I guess one of those things I started podcasting five years ago, and I—if I did start when I really wanted to start—would have been maybe three or four years prior to that. <clears throat> but one of those things, it was like, what do I know about it? What do I know about, um, you know, where to host the audio, how to edit the audio, what type of microphone I need, what kind of kind of the best sound setup to record remotely, how to uh, produce and market it, so on and so forth. And oftentimes, when something's new like that. You start talking yourself out when you start making those kind of like <coughs> excuses, um, but it's kind of like trial by fire. So even though maybe you're, I think it's a helpful exercise if everybody that is a podcaster to go back to listen to episode one, and if they're still podcasting, what their most recent episode is, and then just compare, because I feel like everything in life, every endeavor is like that. You know, oftentimes when you're not an expert in something. You jump into it. It's a learning process. You go on the journey. Obviously, the journey has up and downs. You you have goals you reach. You, you reach milestones. But it's kind of like riding that wave to where you want to get. And, you know, at this point, I actually spoke last weekend in the Orlando at PodFest, which was cool about certain stuff in, in the podcast space. I've co-hosted another show, produced another show, marketed on network. So getting into it has opened up stuff that carried over into other things, into me being a digital marketer and kind of, you know, my business space. But that, that none of that would have happened without me starting it. And yes, you should start. But if you have the opportunity to start something sooner than later, uh, I would say to do it. And like similarly, with my personal life, if you ask me five or six, maybe even 10 years ago, do you see yourself ever being a foster parent, you know, fostering at least one child? I'd be like, no, like you're crazy. And then if I change the question, what about fostering 29 kids in four years? And I would be like, that's just ridiculous. Like I have a better chance of winning the lottery. And it's one of those things where, you know, you get, you get something challenging in your life or something new and you build yourself up, you find a process, it's something that's rewarding. It adds value to your life. And obviously the endeavor itself to help your kind of like the community around you. But with everything that I've learned through that experience and other experiences, you don't know what you are really built for. So like your tolerance, so the body, the mind starts complaining way earlier than it's at its like failure point, especially this happens a lot with like ultra athletes. So I think that like 60 65% and your body says no like it's aching it's giving you warning signs but that's kind of like the first barrier to overcome because there's no way you're going to run like a 500 mile ultra uh, marathon if you're going to listen to that fir- first kind of uh, pain threshold or you know hurdle so you know with with everything else you don't know what you're really capable of you know in your personal and professional life and if there's something that you do want to do there will be failures and there should be failures because you learn from those failures refine and then become who you are and every almost every conversation i have it goes back to everything in life is a a lesson or a blessing and if it's a lesson and it's something that was you know uh you went through some kind of adversity or or, or overcame something or it was a challenge as long as you didn't use it as a negative, like, just like, I'm never doing this again, uh, but learn something from it, take something from it, apply it, then it's never really a failure.
0: What a great example when just even relating it to an athlete and recognizing like how fast our brain says, no, that's too hard. Like it's in, it's, we're not even close to our limit. I I love that example and the messy action. I mean, I live by messy action. You've got to be willing to to put stuff out there long before you're ready because that's how you learn, right? You learn as you do it. And because we just recently crossed episode 500, I went back and listened to my first episode <laughs> and I had a couple of good laughs and I was like, you know what? She did it scared anyways. It's like, it's, it's all good. But I've had people reach out and say, I can't believe you left your first episodes out there. And I'm like, I will forever leave my early work out there because it's, I mean, we're all supposed to learn and grow. And when she said, you know, you're a lot better now. And I'm like, I would hope so. Like, I would hope so. (laughs) Or else I'm in the wrong area. And so, you know, it's allowing yourself to grow. It, It really is. It's like allowing yourself to grow. And, you know, they say no failure, only feedback. And you aren't supposed to understand your next steps until you actually start, right? Like you you can sit there and map out every single thing, like every single step, and you can start with step one. And then all of a sudden, all of the steps you plan for after that don't happen. And now you've got to figure out what your next step is. So it's that piece on getting into action. And I know it's scary. Like I know that change and new things are scary and hard to do, but it's been the biggest blessing it's been the biggest blessing, honestly, for me to be able to go down this path. I've connected with incredible people, unbelievable stories. And the common theme, the common theme I always hear and find is that when people get to the point where they are sharing a story or they're ready to share it, or they're ready to use their voice on a podcast and book or however that is, they're at a point where they can recognize that yes, those challenges were hard, but they made them who they were today. Like they they made them who they were today. They put them in that path to do the work that they're doing, and I just think that can be really powerful for a lot of people to understand and connect to those stories.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think you made a good point about a person saying, "Why didn't you get rid of your uh, previous episodes?" Because it's like one of those things in life. Like, do you get rid of like Ten years ago, when you know you started this business, and then you had to declare bankruptcy, and then like you—that's part of your part of your journey and origin story. It's like Michael Jordan, arguably the best basketball player alive, didn't make his high school basketball team. So erasing that takes away from his legacy, basically.
0: Sure does. It sure does. Yeah, and I think I think that's why I like the open. An honest approach about the journey and our stories, because again, that's what connects us. Like, you know, it's very easy to think, wow, they're so courageous. They're so strong. Like look at Michael Jordan and look at what he's done. But again, if you take that piece of the story out of it, it's, you change the whole story.
1: Yeah, I agree. So what's one piece of advice you can leave with the audience, personal or professional?
0: I think the first thing I would say is, is that if you feel called, like, if you feel called to change your story or you're looking at your current circumstances, just know that that's not what your forever story has to be. And one of the things I like to say is like, we all have stories, all of us, every single one of us is that if you don't own it, then it literally owns you. And so if it owns you, it controls you. It controls what you say yes and no to, how you allow yourself to be seen. And so you don't have to get on a podcast and write a book or stage, but don't let a story like limit you and the choices that you make in your life. Because when you can reframe that story, you can change how you show up in your everyday life, which will then change the different opportunities and things that come your way. So that's the first thing that I would say, and the second thing that I would say is that when you, like, when you can get outside of yourself and recognize that you have something that can help someone else, you can change more than just your life. Like, you can change your life and someone else's, and so it can become really powerful when you start to recognize that. I always say, someone somewhere is praying for the solutions you're holding on to. Like, you, we all have solutions and they can help someone else out. And when we can live in that space and that energy, we can really make a big change and impact in the world.
1: Yeah, and I think, well, for me, it was kind of switching to um, a mindset of being more of like a heart-led entrepreneur and like a a business person and just a human and, and person of thinking about what my legacy, what I want my legacy to be is that kind of like, you said, uh, hoard all my knowledge and experiences because I don't potentially don't want somebody to pass me and, you know, my profession or business or, or whatever, or should I be, you know, helping, encouraging, being there, um, you know, being proud of accomplishments of those around me and celebrating them and try to give as much help as I can (laughs) to help see people around me rise as I kind of, you know, go through my journey as well. And I think, the latter is more uh, rewarding because it's also, you know, when I started in 2008 into the career I started, not, you know, a lot of people were there to mentor me or help me. I mean, partially, I'm not going to blame it all on other people. Maybe I wasn't as outgoing or, you know, looking for, you know, somebody that could potentially uh, mentor me or, you know, kind of take me under their wing or look for like um networking and different business groups and stuff like that but uh try to make it a habit if i'm at like an in-person event conference a summit or if i see anywhere you know on social media on linkedin and somebody asks a question just being open and available and like giving that help and that advice without expecting anything in return because that's kind of the mindset if i do a a uh A podcast interview or any kind of media publication or if i'm interviewed in something i look at who the audience is ask the interviewer the writer like what about my story or my journey or my set of experiences that we could discuss that adds the most value to that audience and usually like i don't even you know plug anything like my business or anything else my podcast but naturally because i added the value of that audience was looking for, they naturally go and look for more information about me, or they feel kind of, uh, you know, relieved or grateful that potentially somebody else is, is going through something. And usually like as a courtesy, they'll check out my podcast or uh, potentially, you know, connect me with somebody else that potentially is looking for something in you know, the digital marketing space. So kind of like uh, approaching it with, with, nothing asking for nothing in return you get more or for me personally i've seen uh, i've gotten more because a lot of people solely create podcasts as lead magnets only have guests they want in terms of like prospects for their product or service and that's cool and all but i don't necessarily believe in that kind of um approach i think you know doing it naturally and uh you know like i said adding as much value and being authentic because, I mean, I see those kind of shows and those kind of potential collaborations. I, I kind of try to stay away from them because that resonates through the conversation, the authenticity of the, the conversation as well.
0: I love that you said that. And I, I honestly couldn't agree more because out of a number of interviews I've had, there have been some that I couldn't air because a person got on and was just trying. It was just nonstop sales. And I'm like, no, that's not how. Like, I think we connect to stories. We connect to emotions. We connect to people. If somebody connects to you, they will go and look. And that's what show notes are for. That's what things are for. Um, I had somebody reach out recently and say, I love your story. I love what you're doing. We'd love to interview you on the show, but it's really important that you don't share anything that you do because that's in direct competition with us. And I was like, what? Like my answer is no, thank you. Like it's a no, thank you. Because I I mean, out of the number of guests I had, I've had a lot of authors. I've had a lot of podcasters. I've had a lot of people who do things very similar to me. And I don't play in the belief that, you know, me helping someone else to share is going to like negatively affect me and my business. And I just don't. I don't play in that area. So there have been a lot of learning curves in podcasting and in connecting where it's like, that's not the right fit, or that's not the right person. And and it's okay, because we're not supposed to connect to every single person. We're not supposed to speak to everyone. And so, I mean, I, I appreciate that you said that, because that is probably one of my podcasting pet peeves that I see. I don't see it too often, but I can see it when it happens.
1: Yeah, that's why um, I thought about at the at PodFest what I was going to uh, – talk about and it could have been something where like after it was a direct kind of plug like showing something and then you know this is what i do and this is what i can build for you and this i can help you market your show but it was basically i created a um a personal brand media kit and the and the media kit for my show and utilizing that and and promoting myself and getting a a better return in terms of if i have a show i want to be on so i'll obviously have something authentic to say to the host or the manager or the producer in terms of you know i actually listen to it i like the format i like the value you're adding you know a snippet or two about you know what i can add to the show and then including it as like a a supplemental uh, asset to then further that's more visual to uh learn more about my journey other shows i've been on so on and so forth (laughs) so i kind of shared how i build quickly build those kind of templates and case studies in terms of of how it's helped me and the show in general, like having one for the show could potentially help you pitch to sponsors, different collaborations, to podcast networks and stuff like that. And I did that because it's something that added value directly to me. And I think that would, that was the fastest thing that somebody could do. And it was one of those things where you could even use it, uh, use Canva to build it. So you don't have to have any kind of design experience prior. So build it, utilize it, structure it this way in Canva. It'll take you an hour or two for each, and it can exponentially increase, uh, you know, your potential to, you know, connect with guests, hosts, networks, so on and so forth. Or I could have talked about something, you know, my digital marketing agency, you know, made this podcaster a hundred thousand dollars, and I'll show you how. Like, that's cool, but that's directly, like you said, kind of plugging, like, what I specifically did in that expertise, which is fine. And and like I said, I'm not going to, like, kind of, like, dog, you know, other people's kind of styles. But, uh, you know, I had people walk up to me that they really appreciated. It was genuine and authentic information. Some people wanted me uh, on their show. Some people were creating studios and networks that wanted me to potentially advise and collaborate. But then I sat in when it was like sessions that were sponsored by a company or a show. And it was just like, at the end, like every few slides, it was a plug. In. And it wasn't, I mean, I don't, that's just not who I am. And I I, I don't want to be viewed as a sellout per se. And if it works for somebody, it works. But eventually, that becomes who you are. Like that becomes like your value system, Um, you know, who you are who you're known in an industry. And, and you know, I would rather do it my way and uh kind of add as much value as I can.
0: Mm-hmm. I I I love that you shared that and gave that example. And I'm sure it connected with more people on a level because people don't want to be sold to, right? Like we don't like not nobody does. Um but we again if we can connect to somebody, then that makes a big difference. Um I spoke at an event in a, um last year and it was a three day event. And so I, I like to sit and listen to other speakers. And before I speak, I don't just go in and speak. And I would say 90% were hard sales, like hard sales from the stage. And I was just like, wow, that's just not how, that's just not me. And if that's how you want to do it, that's, that's fine. Um, for some people it will work, right? Some people will jump to that But again, I think it's really important that you find your way, your lane, your path, like what is your authentic voice and how can you connect with others? And that's just not how I choose to do it, whether it's on stage or on a podcast. I connect more via stories, what the experience is. And more often than not, what happens is somebody will say, I have a vulnerable story and I would love, like, I would love help with what to do with it like, great, we can connect later. Like it's, it's, it's that piece, but I, I don't like the hard sale piece. And I think maybe that's because I, I don't know, there's a, there's a whole bunch of reasons, but for me, especially when you're dealing with challenging stories, like it just feels really wrong for me to be in that space and pushing.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, it's kind of like, uh, prof, yeah. Like profiting off kind of suffering in a way but not really but when you're like really pushing it that hard um i mean it's important when it's something like that is uh being authentic and being of service and and being empathetic and expressing you know where you're coming from and you know why you can actually talk about it the way you talk about it you know based on also having similar experiences but not like you know i can sell you this course for 597 to go through the five steps of that I created about, you know, grieving over. So that's just like, so, um, I don't, it, it, uh, I, I mean, I don't even have anything to say. It's just one of those things where people do that. And it's just like in a way, disrespectful, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, it definitely is. And I, and I think that, which is another reason why I will continue to have a podcast, because again, I think I like the podcast, but it also is a chance for people to like, connect with free information that's out there. You know, I had somebody reach out last week and she wonderful, we had a great conversation. She goes, what's the one thing that I can do? And like, how do I change this whole story? And I'm like, you're you're taking my snapshot of 10 years and trying to pull one thing. It's impossible, but start with some free information that's out there. Like start reading, start listening to podcasts. You know, cause she said, I just can't afford to invest in anything right now. I'm like, that's okay. There's lots of free information out there. And so I think that's the other piece of it is that, you know, for anybody who's listening, you can create change when you decide to. You don't have to invest thousands and thousands of dollars to do something. You know, there comes a point in time when it's like, no, I do want to learn from that person, but it's got to be aligned and it's got to be the right time for you. And and please don't ever let anybody push you into something you're not ready for.
1: Yeah, I agree. So I really appreciate you stopping by today. Can you let the audience know how they can find you or anything else you have going on?
0: Absolutely. Um, thank you. My it's e- I've made it easy everywhere on social media is Marsha van W. So once you start typing more, because my last name is long, once you start typing Marsha van W it will pop up. That is my website as well. My solo podcast is called on your choices on your life. And it is literally sharing stories of people who have come through difficult stories And this year we will be, I I just finished my NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming Trainers. So I'm creating my own coaching certification to help people with how do we heal and change those stories, right? We can't just muscle our way through life. That's, I was really good at that. Um, Learning how to heal, to be able to share that story. So those are the pieces that I'm working on behind the scenes, but pretty much anywhere on social media, Marsha Van W, you will find it.
1: Awesome. Thanks again for stopping by.
0: Well, thanks so much for having me, Roman. I appreciate it. This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.